This week on episode 508 of Priority One, Anson Mount updates fans on the status of strange new worlds. Paramount Plus is serious about its streaming. The mobile game Star Trek Fleet Command meets the next generation. And Chase Masterson joins us to talk about the pop culture hero coalition. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 508 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, May 11th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 14th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. well done well done that was an excellent excellent comeback sir Woo! gauntlet thrown dang indeed gauntlet thrown indeed well that's been a couple of weeks coming tony knows what he did (laughs) i listened to after hours he knows what he did well it's good to have you back and uh we hope that you had an excellent run thank you yes it went very well uh it was a great community run they had about half the numbers that they actually expected because it was postponed due to a covid lockdown but an amazing feat of long distance running because the guy who won the event ended up running for 44 hours and covered almost 300 kilometers it was absolutely insane so if you're uh, looking for a long distance event look up a backyard ultra i don't know whether i can recommend it i can tell you about it and it's very hard but uh yeah quite the challenge but feeling good and my legs are much less sore this week well it's good to have you back sir it's good to have you back now we want to welcome new listeners to the show as well and hope you'll stay in touch you see we're a podcast produced by the community a community of Star Trek fans. So it's important that we hear your opinions as well. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook where we post weekly community questions, special announcements and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favourite app and you'll find us. Or you can also email us. You can contact us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As Roscoe said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From audio editors to writers to us the hosts we come together each week because we're passionate about the star trek multiverse and like any passion project it's hard to keep things running at no cost so if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow check us out at our patreon page there you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month speaking of patrons big shout out to two new patrons who just joined the family this week adam and lance thanks y'all Welcome. Welcome, Adam. Welcome, Lance, to the Patreon family. We hope you enjoy the extra content that we provide. 
to our patrons over at patreon.com. Now, again, captains, we understand it's th these are difficult times and you may not have the financial means, but that doesn't mean you still cannot help the show. For instance, when we post something on social media, make sure to retweet it and share it with your friends. Or if you'd like to join the group, we have several positions that we're hoping to fill within our production. From audio editing to community management, to video editing, you name it. If you want to be a part of the Priority One production, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and up at the top, you'll see a link that says join the team. There you'll find information about those positions and a little form that lets you apply. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's Trek it out. If you're looking to add to your existing Star Trek collection, then you might want to trek out XO6's latest product. Now available for pre-order is a one-sixth scale articulated figure of Captain Jean-Luc Picard in the style and uniform from Star Trek First Contact. The figurine has over 30 points of articulation that allow you to recreate some of your favourite moments from the film. Kung Fu grip not included. It has a Type 2 hand phaser, the TR590 Tricorder X, or a Type 3B phaser rifle. So if you're looking to add to your collection, you can pre-order now for $20 US, but the total cost will be $189.95 plus $25 US international shipping. You know, this is... Uh, these figures are odd to me. I think the Data one is resembles Brent Spiner a little more. Mm -hmm. But this particular one, I can tell that it's supposed to be Sir Patrick Stewart. But there's something weird. It's not an Uncanny Valley kind of weirdness. It's just there's a... It's not quite right. I don't know. I think the resemblance it's rather striking. Wouldn't you agree, number one? Look at it. Oh, yeah. It's the Madame Tussauds effect because the Madame Tussaud wax works. They measure, they go through the process of having the person come in and going through to make sure it's an accurate as representation as possible. But it's still not quite right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at what they have here. I don't know. It's something about maybe it's the lighting or the way the cheekbones are. But yeah, it looks not right. Our friends in the chat teacher guy says, I'm not sure I have 30 points of articulation. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, Me, teacher yeah, guy, yeah, man. You're not, you're not alone. Hang on, one, two, three, <laughs> four. Well, it's going to set you back about 200 bucks, so uh, if you are into these uh, high detail replicas, be sure to trek it out. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. I always like the ones with the voice chip. I always like those. So if you, does it come with a button that you press where it just screams no and throws a phaser through some glass. No! Then I will pony up $200. <laughs> And does the tricorder have the purple stripe? Because, you know, those yeah. are the good ones. Well, as you might recall from a previous episode, we mentioned that Gates McFadden was getting into podcasting. Well, her new podcast, Gates McFadden Investigates, Who Do You Think You Are, launches on May 12th. 
Now, this is a limited podcast series where Gates McFadden invites some of her besties over for a chat. Who's on the lineup? Well, to name a few, Jonathan Frakes, LeVar Burton, Will Wheaton, Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, Michael Dorn, John Delancey, Robert Picardo, Michael Westmore, and obviously so many more, so many more. Now, each show is less interview and more one-on-one intimate conversation. The Nacelle cast promises that Investigates will feature never-before-heard stories from the stars and creatives behind Star Trek. Now, while we are very excited to listen to the new podcast, we do have some unfortunate news. McFadden confirmed this week to TrekMovie.com that she will not be reprising her role as Beverly Crusher in Season 2 of Star Trek Picard, saying, quote, I'm not in the second season. I'm sad that I'm not. Things have changed a lot on different levels. So I have no idea at this point. I'm disappointed because it would have been so much fun to just work with those people. But we'll see. I have no idea. I wish I could tell you. End quote. You know, what does that mean? Things have changed a lot on different levels. That's interesting. I'm I'm wondering, you know, if they've been rotating. You know, we've had that all the shakeups with the streaming places and everybody poaching other people from, you know, networks going here and there. So I'm wondering if the production crew... The I guess the producing staff has changed even since they started filming Star Trek Picard. Maybe there's a cap on the number of extra cast members you can have due to COVID restrictions just to keep everyone safe. We're going to limit to a number, specific number of people as co-stars, as extras, as uh, people who are guest stars as well. That could be a, a possibility. You know, I'm really eager to hear these stories, right? Because I've been fortunate enough to have been able to attend a few conventions now. And, you know, it's great to see them on stage and some of them are just natural born performers and they just feed off of the audience but you know after a couple of star trek conventions you start to hear a lot of the same stories so this promotion of never before heard stories really intrigues me yeah i'm really excited to to listen to this series it sounds really interesting the list of names is quite impressive although i have to make a point elio that you dropped denise crosby off the list at the end and once again tasha yar is forgotten she is in there she's on the cast list but still denise crosby will be in the on the list that looking forward that's to not that. fair the list started getting long the list started getting long that's not fair that's what they said in season one man <laughs> it's the core mantra of the vulcan philosophy and the overall star trek franchise infinite diversity in infinite combinations this week rod roddenberry reflected on the guiding principle of his father gene roddenberry who was born a century ago in 1921 speaking with the website the credits rod roddenberry spoke about his father and the future he predicted for everyone quote he took more of a humanistic or a realistic approach what could it be like one day how did he see us 200 300 years in the future my father took the approach that we're sort of a juvenile child race species right now but we grow like any species like any life form does and we mature in that future we realize it's the diversity in idea not just form the fact that we are fighting over the fact that we look different now is childish we need to be embracing the uniqueness between us because that's how you grow end quote rod goes on to speak about diversity being the strength of star trek and how it has always been the goal of the series 
quote, no matter what your ethnic, gender, socioeconomic, religious, political background is, it should all be represented at some level on Star Trek. That's what humanity is and needs to be. That's what Star Trek is, end quote. For the full article, check out our show notes. It's always nice to see Rod representing his father and the true philosophy of what Star Trek should be and endeavor to continue to be as it creates new content for mass consumption, right? There should be an artistry to the development of Star Trek that doesn't just appeal to our more primal natures of needing explosions and drama all around and plot holes and whatnot. So it's uh, it's good to see that he's still holding on to that philosophy. Yeah, I think he really does take, you know, that mission seriously. For him, you know, he really does live to to further the message of, of infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And, he, you know, they have a foundation that um, donate a lot of money to some really interesting future tech kind of things that are going on. So, yeah, well done. Yeah, it's it's a, it's great to be a part of the Roddenberry Podcast Network because sometimes we hear about these things first and, you know, we share these ideals. So uh, that's a plug for the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Remember, you, we have our sister shows like Women at Warp, Daily Star Trek News, Mission Log, The Trek Files with Larry Nemechek, uh, and new shows that keep coming out uh, periodically. So be sure to visit Roddenberry.com and stay up to date with what Rod's doing. Yeah, it's really wonderful that Star Trek has a mission that no matter who you are, you can see yourself reflected in some form in a Star Trek series over the course of its its life. And if it's not there yet, then hopefully they're working towards that. And really, that's what it comes down to. More diverse voices, more diverse fingers pressing consoles for large explosions. In an effort to compete with other streaming services, Paramount Plus is leaning into its cinema pedigree. The Promise is an addition of a thousand movies to their library in June, bringing the total available on the site to over 2,500. According to The Hollywood Reporter, it's all part of Viacom CBS's plan to counter Disney Plus's catalog of Marvel and Star Wars titles, or HBO Max and their same-day cinema and streaming releases. CEO Bob Backish announced the plan, as well as future exclusive titles on Thursday Day's Viacom CBS's first quarter earnings conference call. Backish said the new Mark Wahlberg film, Infinite, will forego a theatrical release and go straight to on demand. We're going to see a mountain of movies, that being an original movie every week in 2022. Backish also let shareholders know the company's subscriber base has grown substantially since the rebrand to Paramount Plus, adding 6 million global streaming subscribers in its first quarter to reach 36 million million global paid streaming users. This is nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Okay, I I let me let me first I just there's so much to unpack here. First of all, they have a lot of catching up to do if they want to be producing shows that are up to par with what Netflix, Marvel, and HBO are doing. And even Amazon. Number one. Number two, this mountain of movies being an original movie every week in 2020. Has anybody heard of the Hallmark Network? I mean, every movie that they produce isn't an an incredible hit. What about Lifetime Channel? They Lifetime. I'd be fun. Another those one. Networks Another... are just for those movies. I. It just. I. Why would you commit to an original movie every week in 2021? You see, this goes back to that. You know, we're gonna throw everything at the wall and just see what sticks. That. No. Why? Why can't you? Why? Why is there no thought? right there's no creative thought creative vision right uh, 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 no it's just like a broad a broad like 
taking a Gatling gun and just all over the place, right? Just crazy. Nothing focused. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no plan. I can't even. I can't even put words into it anymore. It was really interesting to read the article and hear what Bob had to say when he was promoing the Mark Wahlberg film Infinite, and he said, and I quote, "People really like Mark Wahlberg." End quote. So he's really selling it. Um, really getting on board. You can see where this is going. A thousand movies in their library. Okay, two and a half thousand films in there. A mountain of movies that works for their branding. I understand that. But I agree they still have a lot of catching up to do. They will keep on building their subscriber base. 36 million global paid streaming users is nothing to sneeze at. But again, they're still playing catch up. One of the things they did mention, though, is that original programming helps drive new subscribers. One of those being Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I was just going to point that out, which I mean, to be fair, that's probably why we all subscribed if you even did. Um, But yeah, I yeah, there's a lot in that shareholder meeting, you know, that they were saying, but I can't believe it's 36 million global paid streaming users. Yeah, I you know, I wonder if there are I don't know, I, you know, the truth behind the numbers, right? Because it's not like there's, it's not like the real, the, it's not like the Nielsen ratings, right? It's not something that, it's a number that they release, right? It's what we get from the company, right? So that, I don't know, I feel like that number can be, could have been, um, what's the word? Man- not manipulated. Uh, Finessed? No. Massaged? Blown up, blown up. Inflated. Yeah, inflated, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I just feel like that number sounds a bit inflated. And, and really, at the core of this, yes, it's that catch-up. But like I mentioned earlier, it, there's just no foresight, right? There's no plan. They just are going to spend money to create things and hope that people continue to subscribe. And what we're going to get are lifetime Hallmark movies. And... Why? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're saying that the biggest drivers of, you know, new subscriptions were like the live sporting events and other, you know, Oprah interviews and things like that, you know, special event things that people signed up for. But also kids programming, you know, SpongeBob is real popular. Right, right. So, I mean, that could explain a good chunk of that. Yeah. And, you know, teacher guy brings up a good point, right? Like the the number sounds inflated. And yeah, it could be 36 million people signed up. Oh, good point. You know, are they counting the people that signed up for the trial? And then, you know, like, what's the what's the lifespan of the subscription? Right. Are they subscribing for three months while Star Trek is live? Are they subscribing for a week mm-hmm. to watch the Super Bowl? Are, you know what? That's a that's that's a weird number. Oh, no. And sport was a big driver for Paramount Plus as well. And from Chicago yeah. mentioned it in the chat. Uh, also, teacher guy returns in the chat said, I went to see live music last week. I've been waiting for that for so long. I'm just not there with movies. I want to go back to theatres, but not the same way. So potentially a thousand new films dropping on a streaming service isn't a bad thing at the moment because people are still nervous to head back to an actual cinema. Right. SpongeBob goes to the supermarket is the kind of movies we're going to (laughs) get. It's just going to be SpongeBob just doing his list, right? An hour. I mean, in select states, that could go down very well late in the evening. You're right. You're yeah, very relaxed. Cool. That could be just the thing to get you through the day. And the Paramount Plus rollout continues across the globe. Announced this week were some of the details of how Viacom CBS's existing streaming services in Australia will be transformed. In an article in the Age newspaper, it was revealed Australia's Channel 10, owned by Viacom 
CBS will rebrand All Access to Paramount Plus in August. Plus will consume TEN's existing subscription offering and bring with it shows from channels like Showtime and Nickelodeon and studios like Paramount Pictures. Showtime, Nickelodeon and Paramount are all divisions of Viacom CBS, which bought TEN in 2017. The shuffling of the streaming services will be an interesting one to watch in Australia. The market is already flooded with choice. Paramount Plus will have to compete with Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, as well as local platforms Stan and Foxtel. Presently, Netflix hold the international rights to screen Star Trek Discovery, whereas Amazon Prime have Picard and Lower Decks. So what will this mean for international viewers' access to new Trek? For a link to the stories, check out our show notes. So this is good news for you in Australia? I think so, and I think it's interesting to see the price point because... Uh, services like Foxtel is $25 a month. Disney Plus is $11.99. Netflix is $11, uh, $10.99. Paramount Plus will cost $8.99. So they are pricing themselves a little bit lower in order to enter the market. That will be very interesting. About 17 million Australians watched at least one subscription TV service last year. So there is a market there. It's a smaller market compared to the US. But in terms of international content, it's always interesting to see where shows end up and when. I mean, Australia and international viewers, we didn't get to officially see Lower Decks until much later because of rights with other streaming services and so on. So we we had to wait quite a while to actually sit down and properly watch Lower Decks on a streaming service. Well, that leads us to our community question this week. How are you currently watching new episodes of Star Trek if you live outside of the United States? Is Star Trek one of the deciding factors in your choice of streaming services? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, here are a few headlines that we didn't discuss but might interest you. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. While promoting his latest film, The Virtuoso, Anson Mount spoke with Radio Times' Paul Simpson about getting back into the captain's chair of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. According to Mount, although COVID protocols have required everyone to adapt, quote, it's been one of the smoothest starts I think I've ever had in television, end quote. Additionally, it sounds like some of the production staff have crossed over from Star Trek Discovery, making the transition much easier. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 will be released on Blu-ray on July 20 of this year. The four-disc collection will also include include over two hours of special features. No news as to whether there will be a 4K release of Discovery. And actor Nathan Jung, who appeared in Star Trek the original series, has died at the age of 74. Over the years, he had roles on TV and film, including The A-Team, Kung Fu, Big Trouble in Little China, and the Kentucky Fried Movie. But it was Trek that helped launch his career. Young played Genghis Khan in the episode The Savage Curtain in 1969. Remember, Captains, to learn more about these headlines, be sure to review the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to Trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Congratulations, high score. 
The USS Enterprise F, designed by Thomas Moroni, will be included in the 2022 Star Trek Ships of the Line calendar series, published by Universe Publishing. This is the first time a ship from Star Trek Online has appeared in the calendar series. Other ships from the original series, The Next Generation, and even Deep Space Nine are also featured, and the calendar includes some ship designs and cutaway diagrams. Maybe we should start calling Thomas Mr. September. <laughs> yeah, it's a sexy design of that Enterprise F for sure. Yeah, I might actually get that calendar series. It's got some really, really cool artwork. It was a go-to Christmas present for me for many Yeah, for I'm like absolutely stocking stuffers for all your people. Everyone mm-hmm. needs a new calendar. Earlier this week, our favorite environment artist, Nick Duguid, streamed his design and build of a fusion reactor. This is a fascinating video, though. Nick walks us through his process from forming an idea to actually building an asset. It seems like we're just watching what a day at work is like for Nick. The video ends with him showcasing the final design and it's an amazing piece of work. Yeah, I've never seen the bit by bit design of, you know, something that goes into the game and it was really cool to watch that. I definitely would not have the patience for it because it's like very detailed and there's math involved of course and what's really cool is Nick really thinks about like what he's building like how the science works around it so man it was a really good video I like the laying out of all the textures and seeing that as as like a block and that's how it will reflect different surfaces yeah it's absolutely fascinating to watch that that process and appreciate the work that goes into something that will be a piece of background art it's the environment that's what nick is that's what he does it's what he's so good at so yeah it gives you gives gave me a new appreciation of the work that goes oh, into it absolutely yeah it's so much work yeah the video was not short yeah, <laughs> yeah exacting and an extremely detailed specific good news for console captains this week with the delta recruit event coming to consoles from may 13th on playstation and xbox the event will run for 28 days and includes improvements to the existing recruit rewards to remove out-of-date missions and introduce new rewards it's a great way to earn extra perks on your account so why not take the opportunity to create a new character any freshly made 2409 characters from starfleet the klingon defense force or the romulan republic is eligible to become a recruit for the 28 days the event runs also from may 13th to 20th console captains can claim a free phoenix prize pack each day visit ana on Deep Space Nine, or get gritty with Grimm on Drozana Station to claim your pack. And lastly for console, the Jovian Intel Heavy Raider from Season 3 of Discovery is finally making it to the game. The new Tier 6 ship will be available via the Infinity Lockbox. Turning our attention to mobile gaming, Scopely's Star Trek Fleet Command introduced a new era of characters from the Star Trek multiverse on May 11th. Now available are characters from TNG, like Geordi, Deanna, Data, Beverly, Will, and Jean-Luc. But according to a post on StarTrek.com, quote, The event will continue to evolve over time, with new surprises rolling out in the following months, end quote. Maybe as the event continues to evolve, we will see, fingers crossed, Lieutenant J turn up in Fleet Command. Oh, oh that would be cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tracy Lee Coco showing up in a mobile game. That'd be that'd be awesome. Now, you might have already seen on social media some of the promotional videos featuring Sonequa Martin-Green and Carl Urban promoting the game in a 
friendly battle in their starships and their bases, so be sure to track those out. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now we welcome Chase Masterson to discuss the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains were joined this week by the wonderful Chase Masterson, who you might know as Lita from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but is also doing amazing work as the co-founder and spokesperson for the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Chase, it's been too long. Thank you so very much for returning to the show to talk about your work with the Coalition. Thank you so much for having me, Elio. It's a huge pleasure and I've been wanting to reconnect, so this is great. Excellent. So let's jump right in. Thank you. So for some of us that are newer and for our newer listeners, I know I've not met you yet, so it's so nice to meet you. Can you tell us a little bit about the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, how you got involved with it and what it's really for? What's it do? Thank you so much, Kat. Pop Culture Hero Coalition is the first ever 501c3 nonprofit to use stories like Star Trek to teach social emotional learning, mental health, and bullying prevention. We use stories kids and adults love to teach empathy, resilience, inclusion. Basically, we use IDIC to teach IDIC. We use these stories that Roddenberry told and that are inherent in other pop culture stories, Star Wars, The Avengers, uh, Wonder Woman, Batman, all of these stories contain transcendent stories of heroism. As Roddenberry so beautifully said, these are morality plays. And so we're taking these stories directly and using them in classrooms and in community centers to teach children crucial social skills for themselves and other people. I founded the coalition in 2013 with author Carrie Goldman, who wrote HarperCollins Bullied, What Every Parent, Teacher, and Kid Needs to Know About Ending the Cycle of Fear. I find that this is so key to the whole Star Trek message, the whole idea that Roddenberry was trying to communicate with his storytelling. And it's it's just beautiful how fans have embraced this work. And so it's wonderful to be here to talk to you more about it today. That sounds amazing. Are there any other organizations that you've worked with? Yes, I founded the coalition out of an experience that I had working with men and women coming out of gangs at a place called Homeboy Industries. I was in a very difficult emotional situation in the early 2000s. I had a stalker who was actually through Star Trek. I talk about this in my TED talk, which is um, available online. And I was in a very, very difficult place of anger and resentment and pain and depression. And I had such a horrible time with it. A dear friend of mine said, if you want to feel better, go help someone who has it worse than you. Well, I was in such a huge, huge period of anger because of the stalker who actually had been a fan who I had trusted. And I'll take this time out to say fans are so amazingly beautiful. And and just by sheer percentage, it's like the tiniest percentage of things that ever have gone wrong. But this went deeply wrong for me. And I was so angry. I couldn't think of anyone who was angrier than me, than Lita. 
and I find the two of us are very similar. So it may be very difficult to picture, but I was in such a dark place that the only people I could think of working with that had it worse than me were ex-gang members. So I went down to Homeboy Industries and I started working with actual Crips and Bloods, young men and women making the very dangerous choice to leave gang life. And at that point, I said, look, I have issues that are difficult enough for me. I can't imagine what you're going through, but I have my own and I know what it's like to be afraid for my life. I know what it's like to be so angry I don't want to wake up. I know what it's like to feel hopeless. And so maybe we can work on our lives together. And we did. And again, I tell this story in my TED talk about how we learned resilience from each other. And then I would go to Star Trek conventions on the weekends, or I would go to Comic-Con, and I would see lines of people everywhere celebrating these incredible stories of resilience and hope and heroism. And I realized there's got to be a way to combine the celebration of these multi-billion dollar properties and people who really need emotional support. And then I would, you know, I'd be at Comic-Con with 300,000 people and then on Monday I'd go work with the homeboys again. We had next to nothing. At Homeboy, you know, they're dodging real bullets, not phaser bullets. Their lives were really in danger. And, and so I thought, let's use these stories to bring hope in real life, in a tangible way. So we developed a 32 lesson plan curriculum, starting with teaching and celebrating the identity of who each person is, very much in Roddenberry's IDIC vein. And we talk about each person's multicultural self, how we're all really an amalgamation of different things and experiences and how, who we are, how our experiences form who we are and who we are forms our view of the world. And then we can talk about how to develop empathy for other people's experiences and backgrounds. Because some people need help with that. I mean, us, we're Star Trek fans, we know. But so many people grow up in, in households of bigotry and exclusion. So it's wonderful to be able to use stories people love and want to talk about to really bring real hope. We talk about, we, we build resilience and self-compassion. And as I said, empathy and breaking down barriers, breaking down implicit bias, um, teaching people how to be allies, dealing, uh, navigating racism, bullying, misogyny, LGBTQI plus bullying, cyberbullying, and other forms of injustice, teaching tools to approach depression, anxiety, loneliness, pain, and fear. All of these are, are built into this 32 lesson plan curriculum. I should say the curriculum is developed by a series of, I'm sorry, a group of pop culture fluent clinical psychologists. So these are people who specialize in using Star Trek in psychology and Batman or Star Wars in psychology. I don't mean to go on about it, but it's extremely exciting to bring this kind of, of help and tools and work to people who need it. Chase, I'm curious how you, you've talked about it a little bit in how you connect with the youth through these lessons. How do you connect with them, especially the ones who don't necessarily ask for help because they're perhaps on the receiving end of bullying and being left out? That is such a great question. Thank you so much, Roscoe. A large part of our program deals with restorative justice, 
well, first I should say, a large part of our program deals with how to seek help. So what are the ways which are psychologically and physically safe to report bullying or injustice? A lot of it, there are specific lesson plans that have to do with building the type of resilience where you understand what's going on and how our thoughts and feelings lead to our behaviors. So if we're having a thought that this person is being mean to me, that's just the basic thought which we've all experienced. The bait may be the basic, the first thing is ouch. Then we realize, we teach children to, to navigate that thought, okay? We could go in several different directions. You can think, ouch, gosh, I must be worthless because that person or that group is being mean to me. Or you can navigate that and think, wait a second, hurt people hurt people. The fact that that person is being mean to me means that they are hurting inside. People only give what they have inside. So they are full of pain. You know, just because, excuse my expression, but if somebody hands you a piece of shit, hi, here's a piece of shit. Do you have to take it? No. And we teach children that they don't have to believe what a group says about them or what a person says about them. Yes, it can hurt. And we want to validate that pain, but it doesn't mean it's true. And so we teach ways that children can build healthy identity in themselves and see bullying for what it is, which is just a fear-based group of people enacting oppression upon another person or group. So then, you know, our feelings lead to our thoughts so we can get control of those thoughts and think, you know what? I am beautiful. I'm special. I am worthwhile. I have so many beautiful things to give. And we build that up in each child. And then our behaviors can be different. When we're bullied, we may feel like acting out ourselves. You know, statistics show that kids who are bullies are also bullied themselves. So that's where the restorative justice comes in. And we, our program is designed and our teachers do look into the lives of the bullies and find out what's going on. Are they being bullied at home or abused or are they living in fear or shame? what makes them feel like they need to oppress someone else. You'll find this takes place, you know, this is what I realized and probably the heart of why I formed the coalition, because I realized that bullying is the same issue, whether it's in gangs or on the playground or in relationships or the workplace, whether it's in middle school or the boardroom or war, it's all the same dynamic. It's oppression based in fear and based in a need to feel empowered by someone who's feeling disempowered or by a group that's feeling disempowered. I imagine too, the rewards and seeing the growth of some of the students would be amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the success stories? Thank you. We have had people come up and just flat out say, you saved my life. And that began happening easily. Uh, many times over in in 2013 with our very first outreaches which were at comic cons and star trek conventions people would come up and say this is exactly what i needed to hear today often in this is a roundabout way of answering your question uh, roscoe but during our panels we'll often ask at, at star trek conventions and comic cons how many of you were bullied within the last five years and hands go up and then Keep your hand raised or raise it if, if it was 10 years. How about 15? How about 20? How about 25? 
and if it still hurts, if you still feel the effects, because obviously they're in our panel for a reason. How about 40 years? And we realized that bullying, the effects of bullying during such formative ages can be so painful that even adults will come up and say, I needed this so badly. I've been living in this bondage of feeling like I was less than. And you helped me realize that it was never about me. That's like, that's the overall best way of saying it. But there are individual circumstances as well. There was a little boy named Christopher uh, who was bullied in, in, uh, in a little town in Pennsylvania. And because of an appearance that I'd done there, uh, a, a Star Trek fan had come up and told me how much Deep Space Nine meant to him. And it, he, his, his reaction was so profound. And some other things about his life were so profound. I exchanged numbers with him. And I said, call me if you need help with this. And he did. A little boy within his circle was being beat up and the school was doing nothing about it. And so I called the school and got nowhere, called the principal's office and got nowhere. I called the district and I said, my next call is to the police. If you are not getting you know, this is all within basically one day. You need to resolve this immediately, and there needs to be a meeting with the bullied, the child Christopher who's being bullied, the parents of him, uh, him, the bullies, the parents of the bully, and all of the school administrators and principal and teacher. That's it. That's it. Do it now. Schedule it. Tell me when it's happening, or I'm calling the police. And they did. And then on top of that, Christopher was saying that um, we were trying to figure out something else lovely that we could do for Christopher. So I put the word out and uh, he's a big fan of Superman. And so anyway, we, we got him some stuff and, and Brandon Routh sent him a message. And he said, the Adam, the Adam from Legends of Tomorrow, he knows who I am. And and Brandon tweeted back, yes, I know who you, are, who you are and I've got your back, Christopher. And just this wonderful merging of pop culture stories and real life has been so powerful. And I would imagine over the last several years, not only that it must seem a bit like an uphill battle, right? Uh, going against bullying. Not only do we struggle with the technology, right? A, a child with a cell phone on social media dealing with bullying, but bullying isn't just about uh, you have a big head. That was my thing growing up. I was I was really badly bullied. And you talk about these things and they're almost like I have these fresh wounds, you know, like, ah, okay, I'm remembering. But not only is bullying things like that, but now we also have to be hyper aware of race and how race plays a part in bullying, right? Yeah. So I, I, as I was saying, I can see that, I can see how, especially over the last couple of years, it seems like it's, th that, that hill is getting harder to climb and harder to fight. Yes. Yes, because bigots have doubled down. Can you believe that in 2021, we actually had a recent conversation in the news via comments made by members of Congress, by elected members, that we even were discussing the question of whether racism exists right, right. in this country. That is gaslighting and absurdity of the highest level. Right. There is so much work that needs to be done to counter systemic racism in this country. And Elio, as you said, yes, it's a very current conversation. And I'll say that it's a conversation which has never fully taken place. Mm -hmm. Yes, we made strides in the 60s. Yes, we've made strides through, you know, people getting involved in Black Lives Matter. But when you look at the fact that just the, the systemic needs, the systemic race, racism, the underserved aspect of communities of color 
the fact that schools are underfunded in those communities, leading toward this chronic cycle of lack of education, poverty, crime. These children grow up in a chronic absence of hope. Those are the words of, of Homeboy founder Greg Boyle. These issues are, maybe they don't stare us in the face every day, but they stare many, many, many children in the face every day, children who are afraid to walk to school because of gang violence, which is based in poverty, which obviously those people are accountable. And we are also accountable to make sure that we create a fair and equitable society where people are physically and psychologically safe to live and not afraid of police and not afraid of their neighbors because everyone's scrambling to put food on the table or because of lack of mental health issues because they because they're involved in gang life right. and 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 cycles of addiction or greed these are all mental health issues that can be avoided if we teach children at an early age now, if we help instill values that they don't necessarily get at home because the parents were never taught and the parents are hurting right so um there's a lot of work to do Chase, let's let's shift a little bit about COVID, right? That's the even you know even more recent. You know, this year the coalition worked to reach children who might be struggling, even more so, with the impact of COVID and how it's had, how how that has affected their daily lives. Tell us a little bit about how the goal of the coalition might have had to have adapted to reach these kids, kids who perhaps you know, went to school and it was a respite for them. You thank know, it was you. their way of escaping. That is such an insightful question. And thank you so much for that, Elio. So in March of last year, I realized sitting literally in the same place where I'm sitting, oh my God, what are these kids going to do who lived to go to school, to get out of the house and away from toxic psychological pain at home? What are these kids going to do who lived to be able to go to the LGBTQIA center or just to meet up with their friends and have normal social support? So on a dime, within a month, we pivoted our entire curriculum, our 32 lesson plans. We pivoted them to become the heroic journey at home. So our school and community programs are called the heroic journey. This heroic journey at home is, we created it to be available for free, which it's available on our website, which is at popculturehero.org. And we teach the same tools. The first lesson plans we created were resilience is my superpower, managing family conflict, and social distancing versus social isolation. And all of these were like emergency lesson plans we created to be able to get out there for free. And, you know, because we were also, our work was stopped on a dime with no schools or no events. And we just wanted to keep reaching out and helping people. So this work is available on our website, free of charge. We were obviously legitimately very concerned about not being able to continue the work in schools or, or conventions because there's so much need. But interestingly, out of the heroic journey at home, YMCA of the USA got wind of that. We'd been working with them on just talking about possibilities, but when they saw that, they went, this is amazing. Let's get this program and adapt it for YMCA. 
So Pop Culture Hero Coalition's heroic journey is now the mental health program in use by YMCA of the USA nationwide. Wonderful. Congratulations. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. That is amazing. So after teaming up with the YMCA, you know, you know, these kids often found these resources when going to school, right? When when their parents weren't looking. Right. How do you get in front of those kids now who, you know, whose parents are watching them, whose parent who who they can't get away from that. They can't get away from the hovering. That is a very good question as well, Elio. Thank you. You know, it really takes a whole holistic approach to have mental health tools available. Our hope is because a lot of children may not be reading the resources. They may not be looking for mental health tools because they don't realize they need them. But we are trying to get the word out through as many avenues as possible to parents. Now, the part of the beauty of heroic journey at home and the heroic journey for K through sixth grade is that we have tools for parents and educators. So while a child, at the same time that a child may be learning resilience through Wonder Woman or Supergirl, they have a lesson plan and a video on that completed, created for children. So they have, um, we have actors as Wonder Woman talking about what it means, what resilience means, how we're not born with it, how it can be cultivated, examples of resilience and how to create it in yourself. There's also an accompanying video specifically for parents created by our chief psychologist, Dr. Janina Scarlett. So we're hoping to get the word out as much as possible through educators and parents so that children will have the resources that they need. I'll also say we have resources for the LGBTQIA plus community who have been bullied. We created the first two, first ever mental health comics. The first one was for children with cancer, helping them navigate loneliness, depression, anxiety, and fear. Obviously, none of us can imagine, most of us can't imagine what it's like to be a child in that circumstance, especially isolated in the hospital during COVID. What we are doing is helping them with mental health resources to better navigate those issues. The second comic is called Lights, Camera, Identity, Never Alone, and it's for LGBTQIA kids who have been bullied or discriminated against. And we have given away 5,000 copies of that free of charge to LGBTQIA plus centers around the country. Yeah, and awesome. thank you. And giving away the uh, the the comic for for children who are hospitalized as well, giving that away to hospitals and treatment centers. Well, Chase, we could talk for hours about this and and so much more, uh, but unfortunately, our time is wrapping to a close. I want to thank you again, but before we do, let's remind everybody how they can follow the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, any upcoming events that people should be aware of and where they can follow you. Thank you so much. I'll say this briefly. The whole way that we have been able to create this curriculum is because it's very difficult to get educational grants. The competition is keen. We have a a, a new take on this using Star Trek and other stories. You know, we're the new kids on the block in that, but our work is is evidence-based and very powerful. We built this program through t-shirt sales. $25 at a time, people buying a a t-shirt that says, be kind. What better message is that, is there 
that money, $25 at a time, is what goes to create our programs and to hire our educators. So if anyone would like to support, we would greatly value that. Go on to BeKindMerch.org and get your Star Trek Be Kind shirt. Bill Shatner, LeVar Burton, Marina Sirtis, um, George Takei, all of them, every single Star Trek actor from every incarnation of the series has supported this program and worn a Be Kind t-shirt. So please get yours and, and support this work. You can follow us at Superhero IRL on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can follow me at Chase Masterson on Twitter and Facebook, or it's Chase Masterson on Instagram. And I would love to tell you more about this work. Chase, thank you so very much. We'll have links uh, to all of those sites on our show notes. So be sure to visit our website uh, or look at the show notes for this episode where you can easily click right through to them and pick up a shirt. But thank you, Chase. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you so much, very much for your work. Uh, as somebody who was bullied terribly growing up, all you know, practically through high school, and and have experienced minor Latino jokes in community theater and organizations, uh, I know how important the work that you do is. Um, and I'm I'm so very uh, thankful, thankful for you and your team for putting it all together. So, and thank you for your time here today. Elio, thank you. I will say, if you've been bullied, it was never about you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for who you are at Priority One and the fun that you do. And thank you for this opportunity for us to talk about bringing that work into the real world. Wonderful. Well, thank you. We'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much, Elio. Thank you very much, Kat. Thank you, Roscoe. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Live long and prosper. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, Star Trek Online invited players to defend Earth's space dock on the Triple Test server from an invasion by Jimpok. Amidst the chaos and pervasive game crashes, it emerged that Cryptic were testing a new code branch and needed many players for load testing. But it got us thinking for last week's community question. Would live events excite you in Star Trek Online, and how would you like them to be implemented? From our Facebook group, which if you're not already a member, just look us up on Facebook, Priority One Podcast. We do have a Facebook group that uh, our friend Ray Borg posts lots of Star Trek related links and we have conversations periodically. So look us up on Facebook. But Robert Halloway writes, I would absolutely love a live event every once in a while. My only problem is, and I don't know if it's because I'm playing on Linux, I don't have access to the Tribble server, but a live event would be awesome. Thanks again for your amazing podcast. Now, I did reply to Robert directly because uh, in the in the comment because it might just be that he hasn't transferred his character over to Tribble, like he hasn't registered for Tribble. So I shared the link. Uh, there is a link for you to register your character for the Tribble test server, and then it'll migrate the character over. Um, it's a copy of your current character and uh yeah hopefully that worked out for him but robert thank you for inviting us into your sunday drive to work from the priority one armada shy raven brings up an excellent point i'm not really into live events but a lot of people are so i guess it might be worth trying in star trek online maybe they could have them happen repeatedly and at different times of the day so time zones aren't an obstacle yeah that's a really good point and something i kept seeing time and again in, in the replies is oh you know i'm i i work during the day or you know, I may not be around. 
And that's true. That's absolutely true. But a good live events team is going to adapt for that, right? It's going to, they're going to do it at various times throughout the day so that, you know, if you're at work in the morning, you know, people, let's say you're in the United States, right? And they do it from nine to five. Well, yeah, sure. You might miss it, but our friends across the pond are going to be able to play it because it's the evening for them, right? So then a good live events team is going to stagger it throughout the day. Yeah. Cause I know when I try to join in on the priority one armada live stream that is a saturday night for the armada but for me it's a relaxing sunday lunchtime so i will hook in and power up and attack pat and omega and everything's great but that's my lunchtime from facebook matt black agrees saying most definitely having something like mr sadig discussed about having him appear at a certain planet or station it would probably have to be on a weekend or an evening or held on a couple of days to allow for the time zones and people's work schedule you know the other thing too that uh that was brought up Actually, Al Rivera, Star Trek Online's um, lead designer, brought up, like, what about red alerts? Aren't red alerts a live event? No, you know, red alerts and TFOs and, you know, the temple events aren't live. They aren't happening live. They're scheduled, right? What live events really by at least how I think of them is something that isn't the same from everything else, right? And is a change of pace from what we're used to. So yeah, I kind of like a red alert, but you know, it's happening in a social zone that that things don't normally happen in or a live event where, you know, all of a sudden you beam down to Deep Space Nine and you can have a conversation with Dr. Bashir, right? Something like that. Now, like we talked about it last week, it doesn't lend itself to Star Trek Online because of instancing and player caps, but that's what I'm talking about with live events. From Twitter, Jason Smith says, live events would be nice, maybe linked to a release story arc. For example, when they first released the parts of the Iconian War arc, they could have had Earth's space dock under attack and other places. But Stowe is more of a sci-fi story MMO than other sci-fi MMOs, which aim for a live open world feel. Yeah, he has a point too there, that it's story driven. But that, I mean, you could still do a live, you could do something, you know, special event wise, I feel like. I feel like that's a really good point that in that it's a sci-fi story MMO. But I also think that the Stowe team are creative enough to incorporate that. Incorporate, again, go back to Dr. Bashir, incorporate that into the story. Make it part of the narrative, that live event. It's got potential. And lastly, from Twitter, Ambassador Kale himself offered a final word, saying, As fascinating as the topic is, we'll never be able to do it. Live servers are stronger than Tribble, for sure, but we can't really risk accidentally dropping the servers due to player hub. Not to mention, if a brand new player steps onto Earth's space dock for the first time and is immediately ganked by a level 99 Targ, that's just a bad experience. It's a fun thing for Tribble, but it'd likely never make it to life. The technical hurdle, for sure. But, you know, the, the for a first-time player, I don't agree with. A live events team, you know, is going to be prepared for that, right? They're going to think outside the box where, you know, players can participate at whatever level, you know? You know, again, this is just exploring the what if, you know, just kind of imagining what it would be like. And with that, we'll wrap up episode 508 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts 
www.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And in case you forgot, our community question this week... How are you currently watching new episodes of Star Trek outside of the United States? Is Star Trek one of those deciding factors in your choice of a streaming platform? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek online and the armada community including spotlighting some of our amazing members with regular giveaways there's something for all stow players whether you're new or a veteran follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times and if you'd like to join the armada visit priority1armada.com this episode of priority one is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com Now, Captains, during these incredibly difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons, listeners like you, who find value in the content that we produce each and every week. Consider supporting the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash priority one. And Captains, don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn about all the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. (laughs) (laughs) He's, I can't, I can't, he has to listen to the show. He has to listen to the show. (laughs) Enjoy that, Tiny. Enjoy. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Rand, Daniel, Lennon, and Alex. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Earlier this week, our favourite environment artist, Nick Duguid, streamed his design and build Duguid. of a fusion reactor. This is a fascinating... Roscoe. Yeah. Duguid. <laughs> Duguid. Duguid? You said Duguid, and it's Duguid. Do... Id.
Gid. Gid. Yeah. Do Gid. Do good. Sorry, Nick. He's probably watching. <laughs> Do Gid. Good news for console captains this week with the Delta Recruit event coming to consoles from May 13th on... Sp- uh, <laughs> Sorry. I don't think I've ever heard you cur like I mean that's not really a curse, but definitely My Lord <laughs> Alright. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. Not not only do you have to No, here's the thing. That was great. But you also have to do it like you like you're rushing. <laughs> like you're like you like you left the oven on. There's a yep. fire, right? And and forget cons and forget vowels. It's just it, he drop or forget consonants. He drops consonants all the time. Okay. It's just it's fast vowels okay. is what he does. All right. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.